On Monday, August 8th, Paul Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. And we are off once again. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having a great long weekend. Matt Robinson here with you in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. You can give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio. We're at Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Uh, Great guest today. Really looking forward to this one. Have been for a while. The great Ray Ferraro is here. Of course, former NHL player. Now, uh, probably the best game analyst in the business for TSN and recently announced now for ESPN. And we will talk to him quite a bit about that. Um, you know, the change in career path and what that's going to look like in terms of how much you'll still be seeing him on TSN here around Canada. Uh, all kinds of great stuff to talk about with Ray Ferraro. Uh, he was on about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that early on in the pandemic and, uh, you know, really glad he chose to make some time for us again. Uh, just before we get to him, want to kind of tee some things up for you guys. Um, if you circle back to episode 859, especially if you're a wrestling fan, had a fun conversation with Kevin Mickey of Sportsnet and the Zoobs from the, uh, wrestling brain show on Twitch as well as the Sportsfeld podcast. We kind of talked about what it might look like if there was pro wrestling in the Olympics. That was episode 859, so you can go back and check that one out um, wherever you're hearing this one or just visit tallcanaudio.com. Also coming up later this week, early this week, this is very rare. Uh, we're doing this over the course of a long weekend. In the next couple of days, Mike Wilner, uh, formerly of Sportsnet and uh, the Fan 590, Jay's Talk, Right, uh, He's been covering the Blue Jays forever. Now he's doing it for the Toronto Star. He's going to be here. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the Toronto Blue Jays returning home. They are uh, back at the Rogers Centre and off to a nice start there um, back in uh, back in Canada for the first time in, man, it's been almost two years. It's had 670 days in between games uh, at the Rogers Centre. So Mike Wilner will be on to talk about that. Plus, the big moves that the Blue Jays made at the trade deadline. Obviously deciding, uh, they still feel like they're in it in terms of this wild card race, and they're going to they're gonna give it a shot. Nice, uh, nice addition for the rotation. And a couple bullpen arms. 
Of course, Corey Dickerson coming off the IL here pretty soon. Um, they're going to take a run at this thing, and so that'll be interesting. We'll talk to Mike Wilner about that. And on Friday morning, AJ Jackyback, longtime friend of the show. Uh, certainly most people know him here in Ottawa as, uh, as being around TSN 1200, uh, calls games for the 67s. But, uh, the thing we want to talk to him about right now is that he also calls games for the Red Blacks. And this week, the CFL season back up and running and, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks will play their first game on August 7th. Of course, the season itself starts on the 5th. But uh, AJ will be in here to talk all things CFL, all things Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Really looking forward to getting a chance to talk to AJ on the show again. So uh, stick around for that one as well. It's going to be a great week coming up. And we will touch base one more time before she leaves for the Paralympic Games with Team Canada's Amy Burke. We're not sure yet exactly when we're going to drop that one. Um, But that is coming up as well. Probably after the CFL show, so you know it'll be a week or two maybe before we drop that one, but we'll do that as well. And uh, we got lots more great stuff coming, guys. We are going to keep this going all the way through the summer for you. I know this is the time of year where all your favorite sports shows are starting to take time off and disappear. Whatever. You know this. We don't do that to you. We just keep coming. We're going to be here. You know we're just going to keep hitting you with the good stuff. That's what we do around here. And it starts now. We got good stuff today. As I said, from TSN and ESPN, here is Ray Ferraro. All right, as promised, we're happy to be welcoming into the show from TSN and now ESPN, Ray Ferraro, uh, a guy who... I don't know, 14, 15 months ago was one of the first people to say yes for us when the pandemic began and we were not able to do shows uh, in studio anymore and we start turning to guests and and Ray was nice enough to uh, be one of the first guys to step up and jump on. So it's been a little bit, Ray, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. well. It's been been a hell of a year and a half, hasn't it? I mean, (laughs) um, it's just like, it's almost, uh, you know, unimaginable to think that these are the times we live in and what has happened in the last, you know, year and a half and, you know, and we're still not done yet. And it, you know, it's just like, it's, and there's been, there's been some really great things and, you know, there's been some really terrible things too. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it seems for a long time, like we lived the same day over and over. You're somebody asks you, what are you doing? You're like, I don't know. Kind of the same <laughs> thing as yesterday. Yes. Right. And then now it changes a little bit, which is, which is good, but we're, uh, we're all healthy and, uh, the house as well. I'm glad to hear that. Um, as you referenced, you know, we're, we're on the right track, but maybe we're not totally there yet. I know you're more of a Red Sox guy than a Blue Jays guy, but, uh, as we sit here right now, the Jays are getting ready to play their first game back north of the border, uh, in quite some time. I'm curious, it just sort of came to me as we were teeing this up and I had this on in the background while I was getting our recording ready. What do you think, if anything, um, for the, a team like the Blue Jays coming home and getting back into their ballpark with some fans, um, you know, do you, do you believe that that could give a team some kind of boost, some sort of sense of normalcy? Would it have felt like a road trip all this time or might they have gotten kind of comfortable in Buffalo? Like, do you think getting back into your own park will make a difference for these teams? It's oh, I think it makes a big difference. I mean, you, it, the, the one thing to think about though, is like most of these guys, um, probably don't have their, you know, their regular homes, right. uh, because they haven't been here for, you know, for forever, it's, you know, certainly all of last season. And so now coming back here, it's, you know, it's the end of July. They're, they they got to get 
reorganized. Now they got to, you know, you're trying to find a, you know, it might not sound like much, but you got to try and find a place to live, right? Um, you know, in for July, August, or for August and September, mm-hmm. and then season's over, <laughs> and you know, like, so there, there's going to be a lot of scrambling, moving parts for for the players, but um, I, I would say they probably liked being in Buffalo, but you want to be where you you're supposed to be. Yeah, you know, like you you know. It, it wouldn't have felt like a road trip because they were, you know, they had a home base. They would have had, you know, a place they can leave their stuff and, you know, you know, kind of sit on your own quasi couch. Sure. But it, you know, it, it would it would be just nice to go back home, and um, I think it will help. I also think um, getting burials will help them a lot more than going home. Sure. Uh, right. Like you know, the esoteric things are awesome, but man, when you put <laughs> when you put top end people at the top end of your rotation, um, it's going to make a difference. I wonder, yeah, your Red Sox at nine and a half clear of the Blue Jays. They're probably not sweating too much, but the Jays but don't, are all- don't forget the Red Sox have got they're They're where they are. Mm-hmm. They haven't had Chris sale. Right. And they basically have had me playing first base. for them. <laughs> like they're, if you look at their first base production, like last night they played their first baseman batted ninth. Ooh. It's got to be the only guy in the yeah. league that bats ninth out of out of first base. Yeah, that's not and good. So they uh, I, I, they got a, they got, they picked up a first baseman in the trade today too. And um, man, it's uh, it's going to take a few days to catch up to where all their players ended up. Do you think? And you know, I, I'm sure my listeners want me to ask you about hockey, and we'll get to that. But just on this baseball yep. thing here, last you know, the Jays do pick up. Uh, Barrios there today, a top of the lineup kind of, or top of the uh, rotation kind of pitcher, you know, one through three kind of guy that'll slot in there nice. Um, And a couple of bullpen arms to stabilize things there. But do you think, you know, at four and a half games out, dropping a couple guys like that in might give the team a boost too? Or is this as much about, hey, we're coming back home, let's give the fans a reason to be excited and to come out to the ballpark and, and really get into this? Is it as much about... Um, you know, PR as it is about performance this year with how far back there, do you think? No, I think this is all about performance and maybe accelerating where they thought they might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think they had any illusions about their pitching staff. Right. Um, you know, at least they shouldn't have. And, um, you know, they just think of the half a dozen games that they've tossed out the oh, window. It's more than that. Their, <laughs> their, their bullpen, yeah, but their bullpen just can't get anybody else. Right. So not only does burials come back or come into the rotation that pushes somebody out of the rotation, probably into that bullpen. They add a couple of arms to the bullpen. And I, I think the acceleration of expectation is like, they probably thought they were going to hit, but did they think they were going to hit like this? Right. Like, man, I mean, they, they are, that's a heck of a lineup they have. It's not the Dodgers, but I mean, holy crap, it's a really good lineup. And so if you, I mean, you can make up those games to get into the wild card. Yep. Like they, they can make those up. Sure. There's lots of games left. Soft schedule coming down the stretch here too, and, and maybe being a little more comfortable at home. We'll see. They may be able to uh, make it interesting. And, and Burrios there, they also have them for next year. So the, obviously that was a huge part of it too. But uh, yeah. 
Um, you may or may not remember one of the things that we typically do around here as we start the show is ask guys about their, uh, their craft beer takes. And the last time you were on, you said that really wasn't your scene. So I'm going to ask you though, because you were good enough last time, have you stumbled across in your kind of time at home or, um, you know, not traveling as much, any kind of wine you might be able to, uh, suggest to the good listener. Cause you did bring a couple suggestions for that last time. Well, okay. So I don't drink a lot of, a lot of white wine, mm-hmm. but in the summer I do like, I do like white wine uh, more, I would say. I like Chardonnay. A lot of people don't. Um, I, it, I don't know. It's just my preference. I like the way it, I like the way it tastes. I like the, I like the feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but more, more than anything, like I'm, I'm always a, a red guy, <laughs> you know, like I, I just, uh, I don't know. I just like it. Um, we've had a couple of good nights where I've tasted some pretty good bottles and I, it's not like I'm a, this extravagant wine snob or anything like that. That's I'm a man. I'm from trail BC. Like right. we don't, they, they, you know, I'm still the same. So I, a lot of times, honestly, Matt, I'll drink a, you know, have a glass of a great red wine. And then by t- tomorrow, I can't remember what it is. Sure. Okay. Like I'm that type of, yep. of wine drinker. And, um, but I like cab more than anything. Okay. And I will always find a good one to, you know, to, to have with my meal or to sip even later. I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I like the bigness, the fullness of it. Right. Well, one of the arguments that I always get, cause every week in here, we're trying a different craft beer and people are always telling me like, you find all these ones that you like, and then you move on and you try a different one. Like, why not stick to the one every time it's a, it's a risk, right? It's an experiment. Why not just stick to the ones you like? But I don't know. I kind of like just you know, let's see what this one's all about. Yeah, right? but you know what? I think those people are, I think in a way they're right. Sure. Like, what, what am I searching for? If yeah. I find a really good bottle that I like, why don't I just keep it? Yeah. Or, gee, if I don't, if I want to recycle the bottle, take a picture of it, and then the next time I go to the yes. wine store, buy five <laughs> bottles of it. It lasts me for whatever length of time. And that's and the risk you run every time, right? Is every time I crack one that I don't like, I'm like, this is money I could have spent on the last one that I loved. And uh, Yes, <laughs> and so, but, and then, of course, you don't have a ledger of it, or maybe you do, but I don't, as I just said. Well, there's and an I'm app. Like, it's the I Facebook for I beers. I can't remember. Yeah. No. I can't remember, man. All right. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, well, it's interesting, right? It, it's uh, it's one of those things that some people just like to experiment. Some people like to stick with what they know, and uh, to each their own, I suppose. Um, let's talk a little bit about the season that you had. It didn't see a lot of travel. I'm curious what games were like for you. Uh, trying to call it, I guess, off a monitor from home. Why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about um, what your season was like this year? Well, I travel. I think I traveled three times. I did season opening game Ottawa or Toronto at Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, I did two games in Edmonton when the Leafs were out there, and then I did two games in Calgary when the Leafs were there. That was it. That, that that was it for yeah. my travel. Uh, other than the three weeks at the World Junior Tournament, right? Um, which was in Edmonton in an empty building. Um, the rest of the time, I did it from the uh, studios downtown here in Vancouver. Uh, went in, so I'm in a basically, uh, you know, like a a really large bedroom. Okay. Um, I, I had a big monitor uh, to watch a game on. I had a smaller monitor on top with an end zone view. So, uh, I could always refer to that. Um, like if, if, it, 
if there was a penalty, like I could all, if I thought there was a penalty, I could look up on that monitor and see if the referee behind the play had his hand sure, up okay. so I could anticipate the penalty. Uh, I could see if the goalie left the net, things like that. Um, and, uh, and I had a, my, uh, talk back box basically so I could talk to the producer who was always in Toronto. Yeah. Um, and that was it. I mean, like there, there was no point being frustrated with it. Um, I certainly don't, you can't do the job as well as when you're at the arena. Um, I don't, um, what were the biggest challenges in that regard when you oh, say you couldn't see, do it man. as well? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can't see like you're, you know, yeah. I'm watching on TV like you and I'm calling the game and there's lots of times that there's uh, something I can add from a, insight perspective if i'm in the arena that it just can't see right like it, i didn't see it it happened behind the play and um you know so uh, you know maybe early on i was like man i wish we had a better view i wish we had a better look and then after a couple of games you're like well this is the look we got you can't change it sure you know you do the best with it you can and uh, certainly no direct communication with the play-by-play guy is is really difficult um, you know, it's tough to build a rhythm in game, but the most difficult part was, um, what I'm watching was uh, maybe a half a second behind it was on, it's on delay, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the signal's got to transmit. So there are times when I would, I would see as I'm watching, I still see the puck in the official's hand but it's already on the ice. It's the play's already started, right. but I'm behind, but I don't know I'm behind. Right. So sure. the, like that was, that became the, the biggest challenge or a, a puck might be in a non-scoring position. And I've got, you know, some, I don't know, brilliant thought going on. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, like the play by play, uh, Gord will jump in and say, Oh, what a save. Right. Well, to me, the puck's still on the board. <laughs> But I know right? something so cool is about it, to happen. It, it just, yeah, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I got enough sense to know when to zip it. Right. But, you know, like, that, you just didn't, I didn't have, you don't have a live feed. It's a, it's a delayed feed by a half a second or a second. It would always de- depend. Um, and, um, but it was, that, that's the way I did the games. And then um, I would do Winnipeg Jets uh, intermissions and post games. And I did those from my office. And, um, you know, that, the game would start. I'd walk in off the kitchen table and, you know, wherever dinner was. And then I'd sit down and watch the game and do the intermissions <laughs> with Sarah Orleski. And, um, and then, that, you know, I mean, it was just it's such a weird year. It's just really strange. We had uh, a couple of months ago now, maybe a little less than that, Dan Schulman was on the podcast. And he was telling us that, you know, because he's in Toronto when the Blue Jays are on the road and Buck Martinez is at his home in Florida or Pat Tabler. And he's almost saying like, I finish saying what I'm going to say. And then on the mute button or the talk back button, whatever to, to Buck, I, it's almost like over or what, like you can talk now kind of thing. How different was that for you or, and, and communicating with Gord or your play-by-play person? Because you're, you're typically, I understand the delay on the broadcast would be different, but you're often down between the benches anyway, so you wouldn't necessarily um, be sitting right beside your play-by-play guy, where Dan Schulman would sometimes say he'd just elbow the guy beside him if it, he needed him to shut up or whatever. Like, did, did that element change too much for you? Well, no, but I mean, like, the, the benefit Dan's got is that each play has a start and a stop. Well, that's true, yeah. You know, like, the, you know, the baseball guys have, uh, have the advantage of, 
you know, of, of clearly seeing, even if there's a half a second or a second delay, yeah. they can see when the ball's in play. Sure. Okay. And they know when the, when Dan's supposed to talk or when his analyst is supposed to talk. Um, for, for us, like, you know, we might, we might banter back and forth during the play. I, I'm on delay. Yeah. So I'm looking at something that Gord is not. Right. Okay. So it is, you know, there are times where you're stepping all over each other and it's, that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, like Gord will start talking because he sees that like, I got to take over here, but I don't know that yet. Yeah. Yeah. The, one of the best things I heard. So this would have been September of last year. Um, uh, the playoffs were on for baseball and I had just had my knee replaced. Uh, so I had knee replacement surgery. I'm in bed. And one day I watched 70 innings of baseball. Oh my God. Like I, there was nothing. I was on, I couldn't move. You know, I was, was, anyway, so there's a play in this one game and I thought it was just awesome. And it was in San Diego and, um, the ball went down into the right field corner and the, and the announcer said to Rick Sutcliffe, uh, Sut, what happened there? And he said, I don't know, I'm in my basement. <laughs> and I just thought it was the best because he couldn't see. Yep. Like, you know, like, you can only talk about what I can see. <laughs> um, you mentioned the World Juniors there, and you did manage to get to that one live, but it was in an empty building. Uh, just kind of a little about that experience and whether you think it took anything away from it for the players. I know in terms of Edmonton itself and the fans there are supposed to get it back this year, so that would be great. They'll have their opportunity to see it. But as far as the tournament experience went, do you think, you know, for the players, it lost something, or was the tournament ever oh, as good as sure it usually it is? Yeah, okay. No, for sure they did. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you're watching much of the Olympics, but, yeah. like, I, I feel badly for these athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I'll compare this the same to the World Juniors. For, for a lot of the World Junior players, these are by far the biggest games they will ever play in their lives. And to come to have this tournament in Canada where, you know, they're in an NHL building that on the nights that they didn't have a great crowd, there would have been 10,000 people there. Sure, yeah. They may never play in front of that again. Mm-hmm. These Olympic athletes, they, they go to Japan. They're, here they are, you know, they've trained their whole life. They've had to change their life because they were supposed to go last summer. They finally get to go compete. The competition doesn't change, but everything else around it does. And I feel badly for them. I really do. And I felt the same way about those, those junior kids. Like, the, you know, when Canada and the U.S. are playing the gold medal game, yeah. like, just think of the energy in there, what it would have been like. Mm-hmm. And you could say maybe the game would have changed, but when it came right down to it, Canada looked like they were the best team, and the U.S. was the best team. The U.S. played the best game right. in the gold medal game. They deserved to win. Um, you're now, you've got a, a, a new employer, or at least you're split in employment between uh, TSN and ESPN. Uh, for those who aren't aware, that was where you started your uh, your broadcast career after playing. Right. Um, so what, how does that kind of, how does that opportunity present itself? And, you know, what is the what are the factors that make you decide, yeah, you know, I'd like to go back to do, is it the pull of, of going full circle? Is it a schedule thing? You know, how does that all come together? Well, it, it it's really two main things that tentacle off into a whole bunch of other little things. Uh, the first is I would love to do Stanley Cup final games. Right. I would like to do the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. While at TSN, we don't have the rights 
for at least four years. So when those, when that comes up, I'll be 62. Right. Like, I don't know. Will I still do it? I mean, will they still want me? Right. I, I, you know, I don't know. So that was one factor. The second is, um, my, you know, my family is growing fast. Uh, Riley is going to be 15 in December. Reese is going to be 12 in December. And, um, my wife, uh, Cammie Granado is, is working as a scout with the Seattle Kraken. Right. Her job is kind of growing a little bit too. We're busy. And my daily output of work was overwhelming at TSN. So each day I would have, or each week rather, I would have between 15 and 18 radio hits to do. So three to four most days. Now that doesn't, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot because it's like it's 15 to 20 minutes for each one. But if I'm doing three hits in Montreal per week, I've got to watch the games. Yep. Because I can't go on and not know what's going on. Well, that's, so there's the Canadians games. Then I get the Senators because I do a hit in Ottawa. I got the Leafs. I do five per week in in Toronto, those and then great, before the, the <laughs> pardon, those were great. By the way, you guys on, yeah, are you on those, with those guys? Yeah. And then before the <laughs> station was shuttered here in Vancouver, I had five per week here. Mm. So watching the games in Vancouver, plus I did Wednesdays in Edmonton. So I was watching games. Plus podcast constantly. guys wanting you to slum it and come talk to us. Right. It's... Right. Well, <laughs> see, I feel badly a lot of times saying no, I can't do it. Right. You know, I or putting people off because I literally don't have the time. And when I do have the time, I don't want to spend it talking some more <laughs> sure. about hockey. Quite, yes. quite frankly, I need a break. Yeah. So what I'm doing at ESPN and TSN is I'm only doing games. I have no radio commitments. I have, um, you know, there, there's nothing else to do, but 55 games at ESPN, 23 ish, Leaf games, or 55 games at ESPN, 23-ish Leaf games at, e, at TSN, right. and um, and the World Junior Tournament, and that's it. And it, when I say that's it, that's probably going to come to 1740. That's probably going to come to close to 100 games. Right, yeah. But 26 to 28 of those games at ESPN will be in the playoffs. Okay. So it comes to two games a week. Uh, that I'll be doing, uh, you know, one for TSN, one for ESPN. Um, I don't have the schedule yet. I hope to have it within the next couple of weeks. And um, my travel will increase. My time will decrease. My ability to be home and present will increase. And both Cammie and I are really excited about about this opportunity. Um, Any chance of getting any tips out of her as you're moving along possible trades guys they got their eye on nothing like i I, like (laughs) i'm not even kidding here so you know people you know think this might be different but um during the expansion draft i had no idea (laughs) nothing zip um you know we're talking about a bunch of players but she's doing her work on on the team she was scouting right and we're talking about players but I don't know what in what context she's scouting people. She might she might just be asking about a player, sure about somebody you know just 
about somebody else that she stumbled across that she might might have liked in a game and maybe she's writing a report on. Mm-hmm. Um, I would come into her office area and she'd close her computer. <laughs> like I, I have no idea what's going on. And um, it's, uh, you know, there are times I was a little frustrated because I, I wanted to know, right? Yeah, of and course. <laughs> she, and, but her, her point, and it's a good one, is that by not knowing, um, you know, there's, there's no... There's no pressure on me to keep information in. Right. There's nothing. Yep. I don't know. Like when um, when they signed Philip Grubauer or they signed Jaden Schwartz or they signed um, Jamie Alexiak mm-hmm. and um, Adam Larson, uh, Alexander Venberg. Well, of course she knew they had discussed all of that stuff, but I didn't know. <laughs> like I texted her and said... Uh, um, you know, she was, she was out doing something on free agent day and I texted her and I said, uh, looks like you guys got Schwartz. She says, Oh, good. Like, but she, you know, she had known that they of had course. discussed Jaden Schwartz, but I didn't know. She's not going to help you become an insider, insider, eh? I'm not an insider. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I, I like, honestly, this is one of the things in my job that I really like. I don't care who wins. Right. I really don't. Um, I hope my friends that mostly are now in coaching and management, I hope they do well. Um, but it's, and now that Cammy's scouting in Seattle, I hope, I hope she does well. I hope the team does well, but I don't care who wins. It doesn't change how I do my job and I, and I want it that way. And I work hard to keep it that way because I want to be able to do my job with no worry about GM and, you know, I might be, I might be, you know, uh, critiquing somebody that's a buddy and sure. I should feel, you know, more loyalty to them. I, I just don't, I don't care who wins. I try to be as fair as I can and is, is open and, uh, honest as I can be about what I'm watching and what I'm evaluating. And, uh, I think that helps, helps me do my job. Uh, you referenced there, um, you know, that at TSN, you will still be around for the world juniors and for leaf games. And, and you'll tell me if there's things, obviously, that you don't want to answer, but are those things that TSN, you know, because you have a contrast request, this is what we would like you to keep doing? Are those things that you say to them, these are still important to me, I'd like to keep do them? Um, is the Leafs thing both. just a high-profile gig, along obviously with the World no, Junior? both. Okay. Both. Like, the the World Junior Tournament was uh, was really important to me. I've, I've, you know, I've done that tournament now, since the first one in, in Calgary in 2012. Right. And, you know, it's 2011, 2012. And, um, man, I love the tournament. Mm-hmm. I love the research that goes into it. I love learning these players. Uh, I love the games themselves. I think they're, the tournament has grown in scope. It's grown in worldwide popularity uh, and interest and viewership. And I like being associated with it. Right. So I wanted to keep that. They wanted the least games for sure. Okay. You know, so... Those are like, you know, we just discussed there was no, there was no beef to be had, mm-hmm. um, but we had to discuss all this other stuff and say, hey, can, if I do this, you know, am I able to still, can we still work sure. the things out that we both need? And, you know, uh, fortunately we were able to do so. And I mean, it was a little bit of a dance. Um, to make it all fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's funny, you know, we, when the time came, 
you know, we had to move relatively quickly on it. Uh, you know, so we were both making decisions, you know, not at a leisurely pace, put right. it that way. So and you- I, I, I do believe we both are, you know, both TSN and myself are, we're really happy with, with the way this has worked out. And for us, like people like me, I, I'm here in Ottawa, but I'm a Leafs guy. Aside from the radio hits, I may not notice things have changed all that much, I guess, right? You'll still be at the World Juniors, still be doing right, the Right, I'll be doing games. the Leaf games, and, <laughs> um, you know, I won't be doing the World Championships. Right. So uh, while I'll miss being in Europe for three weeks every year on, you know, on on somebody else paying for it, <laughs> um, if I'm going to go to Europe, now i got to pay for right. it. Um, but uh, that and the radio... Yeah. Um, are the the two were the two biggest changes to to my schedule. I wanted to ask you a little bit about. We just came off a fairly insane free agency day here, um, and I guess after a little bit of uh, whatever you'd want to call it hesitation or restraint last year, when everyone was a little uncertain about the cap and things being flat and everything, it seemed like contract numbers were down a little bit. They were certainly not down this year. Um, but I wonder what you think of the cap in terms of, again, as a Leaf guy, we hear about the cap more than, than almost anybody. And it's either brilliant what Kyle's doing or Kyle's the worst. Uh, there doesn't really seem to be any middle ground. Oh, there, there's no, there's no middle ground. No. Um, right. It's a, even, even when there is, there isn't. No. And Twitter kind of fosters that. It's not a great place for a nuanced conversation. Um, what do you think of, I saw somebody tweet and I thought it was a really good point that other sports don't seem to focus this much on money and you're interested in it. And I can remember, you know, in 2002 or whatever it might've been and Matt Sundin signed for $9 million a year. And I can remember having conversations. I'm much younger going, holy crap, that's a lot of money. And what, but then you're just like, over it because who cares? It's just money and it's not your money. So you move on. But now with the hard cap and, you know, in the NFL, they can buy guys out in the NBA. It's more of a soft cap baseball. You just spend whatever the hell you want. Um, do you think in, you know, it's, it's almost been a, I don't know. Do you want to be tying players this much to their money? And another great point that, you know, Zach Hyman leaves and everybody, uh, someone said it way better than I would have that Zach Hyman at $2.5 million in his 24 through 29 year old seasons in Toronto, you loved him at 30 through 35 at $5.5 million. He's not going to be anywhere near as beloved by the fan base and it has nothing to do with him. It's the number that he's tied to. Do you have any feelings on, you know, what it does in terms of fans perception of guys? Well, um, the, the fact of the matter is the cap matters more in hockey than it does in any other sport because you have to make decisions on players whether you want to keep them or not. Right. And, and, and quite frankly, I, I find, you know, like the, you know, you, you give the example of Hyman. Does that mean that people are, are going to turn on John Tavares in two years? I mean, I assume so, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, like it's... I'm an Oshawa Generals guy, too. I love John Tavares. I've loved him. I was a yeah, but it's the not moon. him. No, of course it's and not. It's, and <laughs> and so I would recommend to these guys, don't have Twitter. Who cares? If people want to <laughs> yell into the into the vacuum, go ahead. Right. Right? Like it, But it does matter, and it does tie you... The, the salary does play a big part. I hate talking about it. Right. I really do. But it matters. Yep. Because if you think... If you think the Edmonton Oilers want to go into this season with their goaltending the way it is, you're crazy. Yeah. They don't. 
but that's what they can afford. Well, that's sort of what happened to Colorado, right? Once they did Makar and Landeskog, all of a sudden... That was it for Grubauer. Grubauer's out. You know, and so that's just... What GM told me once, he's like, no matter how good you are, the cap beats you every time. (laughs) Eventually, it will get you. Right. Because this is how... I think this is a really good example. Well, I think it's a good example. You tell me if you think it is or not. So let's say... You want Zach Hyman at $5 million. Right. And you're not the least because there's other complicating factors there around their other players they've signed in their cap. But you want, he's a free agent, you want Hyman at $5 million. And so you make that offer. And you, and you can see you're kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. He's not saying no, but he's not saying yes. Right. So now you look at your number two guy, who is Blake Coleman, say. Sure. Because he signed a you know pretty similar sort Easy of deal. contract too, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So now you you pivot to Blake Coleman, and Blake Coleman tells you, um, I, I don't want to come to your team because of this or that, sure. whatever the reason might be. Yep. So now you look because you're still not getting anywhere with Hyman. So now you get and you're looking at your third guy on your on your list, and you go, wait a minute, that guy's nowhere near as good as. <laughs> as uh, Coleman, and certainly not as good as Hyman. Well, crap, why don't I just give Hyman another $300,000 a year? <laughs> and so now you're, you're outside of your budget to get the player because as much as you want Hyman, you don't want the third guy. Mm-hmm. And so now if you do that a couple of times, fans are up in arms because you've overspent you don't think these guys know they're overspending? Right. Of course they do. <laughs> they, have a, they have a guy, a lawyer, they have a financial guy that they're going over the cap with beyond a fine-tooth comb. They're well aware of what their daily cap hit charges. Yet, if they don't get that player, then they come out empty-handed. How's that going to go over? Right, you're roasted either way. Right, so you, you do the best you can. You put together the best team you can. You realize that there's going to be holes in your team. And you hope that those holes don't drag you down. Yeah, it it looks to me like, it's so funny because you see this all the time. And one of the examples that I remember seeing very early on in terms of how the cap was going to shred dynasties before they even started was the Blackhawks in 2010. And they lost... I don't even know, like eight guys off that Stanley Cup winning team in 2010. And they did manage to win two more, but Buffalo. Well, I don't, I don't know if you remember, the, they won in 2010, and um, in opening night, they had like nine, ten guys to hold the championship banner. <laughs> uh, you can see, you can go find the video of right. it. And they've got like a couple, like team employees, I think, holding up one of the corners. <laughs> like they didn't have enough guys. Right. So Ladd is gone, and Bufflin is gone, and I can't even remember them all, right? That, that a bunch of guys disappeared after the 2010 right. Cup. And other teams picked them up, including Toronto, who did it with, I think, Versteeg in 2010, and maybe Boland in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, after that Cup. And we're seeing it again this year, where uh, Tampa Bay, a year ago, or more than that, but last season, brilliantly goes out and decides, we need a little more jam. They go get... Um, Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman, and those guys fit in and help them win two championships. And now 
Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau get great deals in, in Calgary and with the Rangers respectively. And you're almost like, that's the, the idea is to go find the, this year's Coleman and Goudreau, not overpay after Tampa showed you how good they could be in theirs. Cause Tampa's just, all right, we're going to plug in Matthew Joseph or whatever. Like they're not out overspending on these guys. They're casting them off when they have to. And someone else is signing them to these big deals. And it just seems like the cap is almost punishing the best teams in the league for developing and doing what they need to do. And then someone else shows that, man, when it gets competitive, you'll still overspend on the old Blake Coleman. You know what I'm saying? Like instead of finding your own Blake Coleman, you just take a two years older, now more expensive Blake Coleman. Well, yeah, because you can't wait or don't want to wait for the development of that player. Yeah. Right. So here, here's what, here's what Tampa's done. Um, I think in, in just, uh, an amazing way. So they've got a great team a couple of years ago. I think they had 60 wins and they get punted out of the playoffs. So they realized that they, they have to be a, a little stronger, a little more stout. And so they they kind of they chip around the edges. They add Pat Maroon. They add Zach Bogosian. They get into the deadline. Then here uh, Goudreau and, um, and Coleman. Um, but as while they're doing that, right, like while they're adding that, their scouting staff has unearthed some unbelievable gems. Yep third and fourth rounders go through that team and, and you look at, um, uh, Braden point, third rounder, Alex Kalorn, fourth rounder, mm-hmm. Andre Palat, seventh rounder. Yeah. They've got Hedman at two and, uh, Stamkos at one, you know, that uh, Vasilevsky, a monster in goal yeah. as, the you know, as their, I think he was the 15th or 17th pick in his draft year. But then you add in Tyler Johnson, not drafted. Anybody could have had him. Sure. Yanni Gord, not drafted. Anybody could have had him. <laughs> and then now they're, you know, they lose these guys that go. They're not scared of it because they have faith that their draft, their drafting will unearth NHL players. And it does. They've got, you know, they signed a, um, uh, Bear Boulay. He's, he's going to jump into their lineup. Um, undrafted player. You, you mentioned Matthew Joseph. He's going to go in. Hey, who scored in round or who scored in the last game of the playoffs this year? Ross Colton. Ross Colton. Yeah. Right. Another late round draft pick. Like they do it right. They do it. They do it the way that other teams aspire to. Yeah. And so you have you can't have just one oar in the water, or else you go in a circle. <laughs> right. Tampa's got them both in the water. And it's really, really impressive to watch Julian Brisebois and his staff um, build the NHL team. Al Murray and his staff draft together. You put it in this big pot, mix it around, and you got a back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, like they just lost four of their kind of top ten forwards. I would still bet on them to win the division next year. So, I mean, you got to have, yep. uh, have it pushing up from below. So last one here for you then, as I pull it back to... Toronto in that regard Toronto has a lot of the the high-end talent but they have nothing like Tampa pushing from down below there there is nothing that will at the beginning of this season um I think Nick Robertson needs at least a half a season in the AHL um 
it looks like they're ready to start trusting Sandin a little more. You know, they, they were using him on the top power play, whatever, but he's not ready to become, I don't think, an impact guy yet. Do you think the Leafs, um, you know, can afford to be patient? You referenced Tampa winning 60 games and getting bounced in the first round by Columbus, and they didn't panic, they didn't blow it up, but they had already had some playoff success. Do you think Kyle was right to hold on to these top four guys again and say, uh, if I'm going down, I'm going down with my plan. And I kind of admire that, right? Like I, I kind of, if this is the way he sees it, at least there's a plan. At least he's going to go down swinging with his guys. But if it doesn't work, he is going down. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with wanting to stick to it. The problem is the only other way you can change is to, is to trade Neilander. Um, because or Mitch. the other three aren't going anywhere. Yeah, you're probably right. And so if that's the case, then they cannot get skunked in the playoffs. As much as we'd like them to have more depth yeah. and have a little more on the wing and a little more of this and a little more of that, Mitch Marner can't have zero goals in 18 playoff games. Right. He can't. No. You pay him too much of your cap. If he's not effective, then you're screwed. And and Austin Matthews can't go quiet no. in a playoff series. Hell, they were up three to one in the series. They lose Tavares. That's a you know that's a brutal break for yep. them. Nylander was I thought really good in the playoffs. For sure he was. Uh, and you know more, you know people people easily turn to him to boot him in the shins. They needed something from Marner and Matthews mm-hmm. in those last three games. They had to have it. They didn't get it, and they come up short. And so I understand the not, not blowing up the whole plan, but as much as we're going to talk about what to do with the $2 million of cap space left, it boils down to, yes, yes you need depth scoring. Yes, you need a team. But those guys at the top end of the lineup, they cannot come up empty or you don't have a chance. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I, I was I was just surprised, Ray, if I'm being honest with you, that I was fully on board. And I still am. I was fully on board, though, with Kyle's plan. These are the four guys we're going to build around them for better or worse. That's going to mean every offseason there's going to be turnover um, to surround these guys because, you know, they're, they're going to be Tyler Ennis contracts. They're going to be Wayne Simmons contracts. These kind of rehab deals that are... Well, you, know, you better draft better then. Yeah, no, for sure. So I was fully... Because those, those picks that they've traded away yeah. now leave a hole in the middle of your developmental... Uh, That's the difference between you and Tampa, right? There's nothing... And so you, you don't have these guys coming along. Right. And that's, you know, I mean, that's... That's as big a part of anything. The other is, honestly, um, they don't have the best goalie in the world standing sure. between the pipes. Nope. Right? Like, Andre Vasilevsky is a <laughs> difference maker like nobody else in the league. There's nobody better. Right. For my money. If you're asking me to you get one goalie, who is it? It's Vasilevsky. I'm picking him first mm-hmm. every time. And Toronto doesn't have that. They've allocated their money in a different way. Yep. And I think that and was... And so that's, and that's, I mean, you can't unallocate it. When they, <laughs> when they decided to sign John Tavares to an $11 million a year contract, like that put in stone what the plan was. Right. It wasn't changing. But I guess the, the point I was going to get to and ask you about is I was surprised 
that in this different world, after you went down again in the first round, that Tavares contract maybe ages a little better if the cap is still going up, right? This was Kyle's sure. plan, and he's betting on um, the cap going up and up and up, and that's not guaranteed to you, but that has been the trend since it came in. Once the cap flattens and you're told it's going to be that way for several years and then you lose again in the first round I'm not saying you needed to trade one of these four guys but I was stunned when they came out less than 48 hours later and said nope stick into the plan like you had time and you had justification to say with this new world we need to reevaluate this and that's the part where I wonder if Kyle's been a little hard-headed in the sense that the world has changed it's not going to be what you thought it was and and maybe you know, over the last two years where the cap has now been flattened and is going to stay flat, maybe you can pay a little more to a goalie, as you referenced, or whatever, even despite having these four contracts. But you're not getting that now, and maybe they well, should I take mean, a little the time. The cap's not changing. There's no. there's no no point even talking about it, right? No. Because it, does, it doesn't matter if, 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 great. If if I was six foot two, I would have been in the Hall of Fame. But <laughs> I wasn't, and so... I had 900 points. That's, that's the way, right? Like that's, you, you can't, you can't do that. The the one thing I would say is there's a, yeah, there's a stubbornness on Shanahan and Dubas's part here mm-hmm. to stay with this, you know, on this path. There's a loyalty to it that I don't know that while it's admirable, I don't know if it's the right way to go. Mm-hmm. I I don't think their team as it's currently constructed is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. Right. But that doesn't mean by March it can't be. Sure. So my my view is whatever they're thinking about doing between now and the start of the year, I wouldn't do anything. I'd keep that cap dry. Or I'd keep that cap money in my pocket. I'd, as much as I can, I'd toll cap space as much as I can. So by the time you get to January, February, and March, you're looking at being able to have cap space to bring in players that are on the last year of their contracts that are making six and seven million dollars, like difference makers. Right. If you go find a two million dollar winger right now, you're getting a two million dollar winger. Sure. Delchenia, come like, on down again. So, right. So why can't you, you know, look at those top four guys and say, you guys have to carry us till March. Keep us in the mix. Get it through. Why can't and 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 are they good enough to do that? They of course be. they are. Yeah. Of course they are. There's, there's, I don't view them in danger at all of, of, of struggling for a playoff spot. Like, then, I don't view that. Don't you I circle don't, back the to the prospect capital? Like, now you've got to go and actually be able to trade for those guys that you do have the cap space for, but you've given away two first-round picks in a row and the cupboard's pretty bare. Can you acquire that guy outside of free agency in a trade? Like, do you have the capital to make that happen now? They're kind of, they're kind of boxed in here a little bit. Well, they, they are, but... They've already told us they're not changing their view. Yep. So I don't know why we would expect it would change in the next two months. True. It's not going to. We already, unless they just have had a complete change of heart and they're going to flip something big before March. I don't. I don't see it happening. But so I, I am in the camp of you roll along, save the money to make an impactful signing. Uh, trade and sign, and maybe you find somebody that a team just has to move. Right. They just have to move. And if you've got to sacrifice one more first-rounder, well, then you're going to have to do that too. I mean, they, they blew out a first-rounder for Foligno. Unfortunately, got very little 
out of him because of injury and mm-hmm. the way the season ended. I mean, they, it's not like they haven't taken big swings. Unfortunately, they just haven't worked out for them. Uh, yes or no only, if the Leafs go down in the first round again next year, is Kyle still around? No. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's right. Uh, I mean, I, I think they've got to win around here. Eventually, you've got to say, hey, yes. enough's enough. Yep. Um, that big board at MLSC, maybe Brendan Shanahan is loyal enough to Kyle. I'm not sure that board is loyal enough to Shanahan to, uh, keep forgoing all those playoff dollars with what they're paying out and how this is all going to uh, swing around. Um, this is your last day of work until after Labor Day. And I think we're your last, your last phoner. So appreciate you doing that. Are, are you on the golf course tomorrow or? Uh, played today, uh, rather average, okay. uh, today, uh, tomorrow, no play Sunday, um, and then uh, we're starting a little vacation, but um, I uh, three to four times a week. I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is golf season, man. It's time sure. to be there for sure. Um, well, I hope we didn't uh, wrap up your hockey season too badly there. Hope it was a tolerable tolerable enough discussion. Really appreciate. No, all good. We'll uh, we'll check in next year sometime, and uh, um, I I hope you have a great summer. I hope. Uh, Everybody's well around you, and uh, you'll enjoy the summer because we'll be back to training camp pretty quickly. That'd be great, Ray. Hopefully, uh, like you say, next season we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime. Thank you so much for making a little time tonight. Really appreciate it. You betcha. Be well. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, really enjoy talking to Ray. Really happy that he made a little time for us. Like you see, this was uh, his last stop before summer vacation. Um, agreed to jump on and talk to us. So really appreciate that. Ray making some time, a uh, friend of the show here. And he's been on a few times now, so that's great. And, uh, and we'll do it again down the road at some point, see how things are going at ESPN. Um, like I said, that was awesome. Um, don't forget, coming up this week, Mike Wilner will be talking Blue Jays. AJ Jackubek will be talking CFL. And Team Canada's Amy Burke will be discussing the Paralympics. All of that coming up over the next week or two here on the podcast. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio. That's going to do it for this one, guys. Really appreciate you checking out the show on your long weekend. Hope that's treating you well. And uh, we will be back on the next episode with Mike Wilner, as, uh, as I mentioned. So stick around for that one. My name is Matt Robinson, and we will see you all next time. It is over! Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.